0: Welcome to Urban Wilderness, the official Turkey Mountain podcast. I'm Tip Crowley, and on today's episode, we look deep into the history of Turkey Mountain and how some nefarious actions changed the history of the beloved land in Tulsa. Ryan Howell sits down with Dr. Russell Cobb to talk about the history of the allotments and some of the original owners of the space that would eventually become Turkey Mountain. So stay tuned to Urban Wilderness.
1: Support for this podcast comes from Fleet Feet Tulsa Broken Arrow, hosting a variety of races annually, including 5Ks, half-and-full marathons, and trail races. For more information or to register, visit FleetFeetTulsa.com forward slash races. From Switchback Training Systems, a one-stop solution for multi-sport and cycling athletes, offering personalized coaching from certified instructors and mountain bike and multi-sport skills clinics in Tulsa and Claremore, more information at switchbackmtb.org. And from Team My Side Fitness, a partner of RSU Radio, promoting a healthy community with support from Bicycles of Tulsa, Sandoz Modern Deli, the local bison, and Atomic Foods. More information at WTFistMF.com. Hey, everybody, welcome to Urban Wilderness. I'm Ryan Howell, and I've got Dr. Russell Cobb from the University of Alberta in Edmonton, Canada, with us this morning. We have a very interesting and exciting show for you today um when i was leading some tours of turkey mountain on the history and mystery tour somebody asked me one day about the original latis to turkey mountain and i honestly didn't know the answer and so i did some digging around and i found out about um dr cobb and his work in the history of um this region's um you know early kind of 1800s 1900s and the history of the counties and stuff, and so,
2: Dr. Cobb, welcome to Urban Wilderness. Hey, it's really great to be here. I really appreciate the the invitation, Ryan.
1: Yeah, and thank you for being here. So, can you give us a little background on like your, where you're, what you're doing right now, and kind of how you got into the particular um, studies that you're you're doing
2: right now? Sure. I mean, it's uh for me, this is a historical project, but it's also got a personal touch. I grew up on just on the east side of the arkansas river at about 31st in cincinnati always gazing you know over the arkansas river running that and running and jogging and biking that old long uh gone pedestrian bridge there and i always wondered about the the west side you know you, you could hear the refineries smell the refineries and uh you know many years went by and i also kind of got a an interesting question about who, you know, who first owned the land where I had a home and it was like, I can't figure that out at all. So I had to go all the way back to the the house's abstract and I just read it and I got it out of storage and started reading it. It was a lot of boring legal documents, but in it were these just fascinating gems like, after the Creek Nation was forced to allot the land, it was uh, given, I guess given is not maybe the right word. I, it's deeded um, in fee simple, absolute title to a man named Tuckabudgie that was in my, on, the, on the east side of the river. And then on the, the west side of the river, there were even stranger things that were going on. And I started with a simple Google search and then that led to a more archival search which led to trips to the archives to uh to uh, now an abiding obsession <laughs> with uh the stories of the of the alati's in the tulsa area and so i'm working on a i'm working on a book called the ghosts of crook county uh following bloodlines and pipelines in indian country oh very fascinating
1: and so you got interested in the allottees. Can you just explain to our listeners what a lot? A lot of us don't even know what that means. So, what does that allottee process look like, and what's that history?
2: Yeah, I mean, we it's it's a very convoluted process. I'll try to do the most the right. quick and dirty history as, as as I can do it. So, after removal, we all know about the Trail of Tears. Uh, the Creeks have a different name for it, but essentially it's the same thing: the forced removal from the Southeastern homelands to Indian territory today, Oklahoma. Um, the first stage of that was land held in common. So those five tribes, they didn't really understand or really believe in ownership of land. Um, one, uh, rebellious Creek leader, Chito Harjo also known as crazy snake said it does it makes no more sense to own land than it does to own the air so it was kind of anathema to the to the tribe nevertheless after the civil war uh, the wheels start turning in the federal government to say hey you can't own land in common you need that the frontier is going to be closing this land needs to be divided up and farmed and and become productive in a sort of modern capitalist society so much to their chagrin they were the 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 tribes all the tribes not just the creeks were forced to divide up this this commonly held land into basically quarter sections so 160 acres a piece per citizen and uh this process went on for a long time but really by the by the early 20th century i'd say 1901 1902 you really see allotment really happening you have individual citizens of these nations being enrolled with the federal government as a certain member of an Indian tribe, and then receiving title to these quarter sections of land. And so that's how you get the forced allotment. A lot of, a lot of some creeks, you know, I mean, it's just like any other group of people. Some people were like, Hey, this is a great opportunity for me. I can make a lot of money. I could just turn around and sell this, or I could, Hey, we could drill for oil, (laughs) Um, but I'd say most resisted a lot, but they didn't like it. They didn't like being told where to live. Some people were forced to move. Um, And so there was a varied experience. And you can just see that just by looking around in Tulsa and seeing what happened to some of the Alatis here to see the varieties of experiences that happened.
1: And then um, looking right at Turkey Mountain, there was a name that popped up of one of the original lottees of Turkey Mountain called Moes Naharki you know a little bit
2: about him? I know a little bit about him. I really want to find out more about Mo's, uh, also known as Muzer or Moses Naharki. Uh, what I do know about him is that he was born probably in that post-Civil War era. He was from a tribal town called the Logoboja. And the Logoboja, anybody who's from Tulsa or living in Tulsa, you should know about the Logoboja because that is the original tribal town that goes back millennia. Um, in Alabama, there's actually still a little town in Alabama called Logoboja. They probably pronounce it differently, but the Logoboja were the, were, were the tribal town that, that, that rekindled the fire at the council oak tree. So at, uh, 17th, 18th and Carson or Cheyenne around there. Um, anyway, so from that core tribal town after allotment, they start to spread out, uh, Tulsa is becoming Tulsi Town. It's no longer Tulsi Logoboja. it's a it's a it's a cow town, pretty much run by the Perrymans. um and uh, Mose was part of that Logoboja. They were upper creeks. they were they were not they were not abiding by the assimilationist views. They didn't they didn't they didn't like allotment. They really didn't like the ways of the white man. They uh, held fast to their customs. They wanted to keep their stomp dances, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I'm not exactly sure how, if moze Naharki picked his allotment or was picked for him. Sometimes, you know, Creeks picked their own allotment, but sometimes they, they hated it so much that somebody would pick it for them. But in, in any case, you know, he, um. Uh, he was a, he was very active in the tribe. He was part of that Upper Creek faction that was resisting allotment. Um, a lot of them followed Cheeto Harjo, who had a you know armed rebellion um, against the government and even against the state of Oklahoma into the into you know 1907 1910. Um, and yeah, he anyway he's so he's sort of a an interesting figure, and he is married to a woman named um, Millie Naharki who uh, will enter our story or his daughter will enter the story because Millie Naharkey, the, 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 the spouse of Mose Naharke, dies. And Moe's remarries a woman named Martha Red, who is uh, more of a, 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 a w- w- what they call Lower Creek. So more assimilated, more in tune, probably spoke some English. Some of these other guys didn't speak English more in tune with the ways of the new regime of, you know, the state of Oklahoma.
1: And then, so Moe's, I heard, lived in the area of the Pepsi plant?
2: Yeah, yeah. If you see that Pepsi plant, just on the west side, uh, Skelly Expressway, over there, there's a a creek, uh, Mooser, it's called Mooser Creek. It's a watershed. It's a protected watershed. There's still, there's signs there. It's a protected land. You know, he, he lived over there. He probably lived. I don't know a lot about how he lived, but I can tell you the Logoboja often, you know, lived in. Um, they didn't live in teepees, you know. Get the stereotypical image of the Indian out of your mind. They lived in in cabins, you know, pretty simple cabins. But they often had, you know, a, a patch of land that they would cultivate. Um, you know, oats, uh, corn, sometimes cotton, although probably not up in the Tulsa area. Uh, vegetable patch. And then they did a lot of hunting, you know, and and so the the banks around the Arkansas were, were primed for that because they hunted deer, rabbit, et cetera, et cetera. And that's probably how he, he made his life. Yeah.
1: So after uh, Moe's passed away, then um, his land was required by law to be divided be- between his children. And so that enters when Millie, the daughter, comes into play. And so what
2: happened then? Yeah, here's where things get interesting. And this is where it gets you start to see modern Tulsa and modern Oklahoma come into being because there were two children. There was lit what you know in the court documents they'll say little little Millie to differentiate from the mother. So the daughter, little Millie Naharke, and then her brother Sammy Naharkey. Now there's a fight between the two of them as to who's gonna get the land, Sammy was older and uh, he wanted to have the land divided up so he could sell it off. He didn't he didn't want to live off the land like uh, Mosin-Harki. you know again, this is we're starting to see the, the, the turn into Tulsa as a modern city. People aren't going to want to be hunting and fishing for their for their well-being. Um, and so Sammy, wanted to to get it to sell it to and he was he did in fact got his portion and sold it to charles page who uh every Tolson should should at least that Dutch name should ring a bell. Now um Millie did not like this and her case was that it's it should be illegal to just divide up allotments like that. And a lot of the leadership at Creek Nation which was decimated by allotment i mean they basically had a shell of a government but the people who were sort of the legal minds were saying this is the beginning of the end of us once you know uh real estate speculators oil men uh businessmen can start to pick off you know this and that allotment and turn uh, families against one another we're 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 doomed and so they they fought this thing for decades and there are Court, court cases that go on all the way to 1936, where um Millie and her guardian and people from the tribe are are fighting this this uh this division of land.
1: And then at one point there was a, a story of how some uh nefarious oilmen tried to get possession of Millie's oil leases.
2: Right. So Millie is little Millie again is like is is what you you know when the Dawes commit, she's enrolled in Dawes as a Creek new born so she's not really able to fight this herself she's often you know as as Tulsa is turning into the oil capital of the world right after not really so much red Fork but Glenpool in the 19 you know 1907 1908 and then people are flooding into Tulsa looking for the next oil boom um, she's still a little girl and she has a guardian and the guardian is worried that uh, she's going to be abducted and because that happened a lot um, there are stories just daily of creek people and then obviously osage if you've heard the stories from uh, killers of flower moon people are disappearing they're turning up dead but then she be- she reaches the age of it's close to the age of maturity and she comes back to the Tulsa area. Um, her mother is still alive, and obviously her brother Sammy is still alive. And we're talking, you know, the heyday of Tulsa or Tulsa's sort of quote unquote golden age, which is it may be golden, but it's also kind of bloody, um, for obviously, you know, reasons we know about 1921. I mean, that's that's that era, right? Early 20s. And um, she uh disappears several times, but the first time she disappears, she's 17. She's about to reach her 18th birthday. So like where she can legally take control of her own affairs and she's gone. And actually this makes headlines because in the eyes of the media, uh, she was, uh, I I looked up one headline. It was like millionaire. Actually, this is from the New York times. This is how big a story this was. This is a headline from the New York Times: Millionaire Indian heiress disappears and that was from uh, 1922. And uh, so she was kind of famous in a lot of ways. Uh, and and um, I, I th- what really happened, the story behind it was that th- there's lots of oil men vying to get control once they want to get a lease or they want to get the title to drill because they actually thought that, well, the joke was on them because they thought that uh, Turkey Mountain would be uh, prime oil country. I mean, they, you know, you're thinking, okay, Red Fork's just down the road, Glenpool's down the road. And then out a little west of there, you got the, the huge oil deposits out like Cr- uh, Cr- uh, Crook County. <laughs> a, I can't even say it. Creek County. People often call it Crook County. Uh, Creek County. So they're like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, Red Fork, yeah, that's Turkey Mountain. She's got to be worth a lot of money. And one of the pioneers of Maple of the Maple Ridge suburb of Tulsa, which is really Tulsa's first suburb, and we don't think of it as a suburb now, but 100 years ago it was a suburb. Uh, a guy named Grant Stebbins had a oil company, and he was he deployed two men to abduct her, but abduct her in a way that was really sort of like we were, you know, hey, we're going to, they, they proposed to her later. They said, hey, we're going to take you, what do you like to do? You know, and she's like, I like to go fishing. I'm fishing with my mom. And like, we'll take you on the best fishing exp- expedition of your entire life. We're going to take you to the, you know, wherever you want to go. Where do you want to go? She's like, I don't know. You know, and they're like, okay, well, they, once they get her in the car, they drive her across the border to Missouri into the Ozarks. This was very common, by the way. Um, I always thought it was weird that they, why did they take her to Missouri? It was very common in these abductions to take them across state lines because within Oklahoma, there were so, the, the county judges in particular, the county judges were so corrupt and beholden to certain oil interests that if you got a county judge who didn't like you or that was in 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 cahoots with a certain speculator or grafter as Angie DeBoe liked to call them. They could, you know, easily turn the thing the other way. So anyway, the Stebbins men take her to Roaring River Resort in the Missouri Ozarks. And uh, things really got ugly. I mean, she because they said, hey, you know, sign these papers, you know, you're going to be rich. You know, Mr. Stebbins, the Gladys Bell Oil Company is going to drill on your land. You're going to make a bunch of money. And you know, she she was she was wise. She you know, this stuff was in the news. This stuff was so uh, the talk of the town. She's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And uh, so then they started pressuring her. They they went for the you know carrot or the stick. And then it became the stick. Like they started making her get drunk, um, invading her hotel room, intimidating her. At one point, there's this strange thing happened where the young man it was he was an OU student actually who was kind of like handling her um said told her told Millie they're out to get you you know these other oil men are out to get you here here's a knife and if they invade your room you know you can stab them and uh, she was just totally confused they they took advantage of her they told her one thing did another they um she testified in court later that they sexually assaulted her and said, you know, if you want this to stop, just sign this paper. It's just a lease. It's just a lease. And sure enough, it was not just a lease. It was a conveyance of the whole title. So giving her entire land to them and uh, it had become such a scandal and people had heard about it. I mean, the tribe heard about it, that, that, Um, federal agents the bureau of investigation was deployed they found them and they arrested these two men i believe it was somewhere i think it was in joplin somewhere out of state they arrested them and and put them on trial um brought millie back and stopped the sale of the of the the land but um you know it's just it's just it's just such an awful story that really shows you like what what was really happening behind the scenes
1: Uh, yeah and this is one of the things where like we it was such a fascinating and interesting piece but it's also very tragic you know like now turkey mountain is this kind of center for recreation and and a lot of people um go there to find peace and and you know beauty in Mm -hmm. the outdoors but it does have this you know tragic history that you know i wanted to follow up and acknowledge so what does you know? What are some you know? And the, but this was a story that was all too common back then, right? Like mm-hmm. oh of, yeah, h- thousands of examples of how mm-hmm. you know the oil industry was really taking advantage of these allottees. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was not the only story. I think her story is really instructive, and in the fact that it's it's really you know one her her allotments were kind of divided up in weird spaces, but. If you really want to kind of think about beyond the land and think about this, obviously listeners can't see this, but I had a book printed for myself of the Hastings allotment map of the Creek Nation, where they really kind of went down to the granular level. And I found, you know, one of her, one of the pieces of her allotment, which would be if you're coming from the north and you start, and and there's that beautiful road. And then you, it kind of, it really dips dramatically. That would be kind of the north. I think that would be the northeast corner. You, you could get out there and you have that view. It's kind of obstructed by some by some power lines, but um, I, I'm pretty sure that would be the northeast corner of her allotment. And you, you can think about it. One more thing I'll say about that is that you know, it, in a way, it, you, you know, it stopped this awful thing that was going to happen, but. Millie had a guardian for the rest of her life so she was never allowed by the courts to make her own decisions about her finances even the you know Sammy sold that stuff off to Charles Page and that was gone but she still had this one piece out there yeah by Turkey Mountain and um Over, you know, she lived a long life, like she only died in in, in 1996. And she had various plans to do different things. Like at one point, she was going to build a gas station. And her guardian was always like, no, 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 no. Um, Denying, you know, her the right to do the kinds of things that, that, that she thought were her own best interest. So yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really interesting. And, I, and I'm glad you brought that up, you know, that today you can walk on that land and it and it's it's a beautiful recreational area. It's open and it's like a place of of um you know wilderness, but it's also inextricably tied to to our story as a city. It truly is.
1: It's 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 interesting to see it come full circle and we hope that nothing like that ever happens again. So um, Dr. Cobb, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate you taking the time uh, here on Urban Wilderness. And um, best, uh, we look forward. What was your next book coming out? Um, the
2: Crook County? Well, that's the one I'm writing right now. But if you want to hear more about this particular story or uh, more about you know, Tulsa's, uh, Tulsa's more secretive histories, uh, I have a book called uh, The Great Oklahoma Swindle, Race, Religion, and Lies in America's Weirdest State. And that's that's out. That came out two years ago. But uh, hopefully, the Crook County book will be out within the next two re- year or so. Awesome! Well, everybody,
1: check that out: "The Great Oklahoma Swindle" uh, by Dr. Russell Cobb and his new book coming out. Hopefully, soon. Again, thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you for listening to Urban Wilderness, the official Turkey Mountain podcast. Also, a big thank you to Dr. Cobb for talking with us about the history of Tulsa's favorite urban wilderness, Turkey Mountain. This podcast is a partnership between the Tulsa River Parks Authority and RSE Radio and is produced on the campus of Roger State University in Claremore. Be sure to subscribe where you listen to podcasts to learn more about the history, updates, and events from Turkey Mountain. Now, until next time, go get lost at Turkey Mountain.